Welcome to Sounds Familiar, a podcast where we discuss two pieces of media that share themes, plot points, or overarching ideas. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram to keep up to date with our upload schedule, news, and discussions. Take your seat, grab your popcorn, and silence your cell phones now. Please enjoy the show. Welcome to Sounds Familiar. I'm Stephanie. Groovy. And I'm Justin. And I'll swallow your soul. I'll swallow your soul. I'll swallow your soul. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I can't even remember if I got the intonation right on that. All I knew was that I had to stare off into the distance and say groovy. Yeah, that's all you got to do. Close Uh, enough, right? It would help if you had the best chin in the game, but... (laughs) (laughs) it won't go out anymore it's too small and weak (laughs) so welcome everybody to the finale of morbid may oh my god it is no i'm sad (laughs) but we've had we've had a great time haven't we i really enjoyed morbid may yeah it's it's really been nice to just like kind of revel in a genre that we don't otherwise get to talk about (laughs) yeah honestly like it it made me both happy and sad because i was like happy because i was getting to talk about it but also sad because i was realizing like oh wow i have like all these horror movies i've seen that i have a lot of thoughts about but i don't get to talk about them much because caleb hasn't seen any of them so like it's not that he would mind me telling about them so much as he wouldn't get very much out of it because he hasn't seen them and he's probably never going to um and like so i would have to like explain the entire plot and premise to him first of a lot of these like so i don't know (laughs) i think at some point i could get him to watch some of them yeah i don't know um (laughs) and don't worry listeners if morbid may has been too spooky for you caleb is back next week and we are back (laughs) to talking about things that aren't horror (laughs) things that are uh, SFC, safe for Caleb. Um. Uh, so this week, because it's our big finale, um, the movies we're talking about don't really have a uh, narrative connection or through line together or even Not a dramatic much, no. <laughs> through line. Um, we did like we did for, or we're doing like we did for Halloween and Christmas, where we just pick yeah. two movies in the genre uh, that we love. And if you couldn't tell by the opening, we're talking about Evil Dead 2, and we're also talking about It Follows. Yes. <laughs> Couldn't find as many snappy quotes for that one, but uh, yeah, we each went through and picked one, and honestly, it was kind of hard to pick because I do have a lot of a lot more horror movies that I want to talk about, mm-hmm. but this one's probably like my all-time favorite and is one of my favorite movies, so I... I I did end up going with that one. And so these are two not that similar movies for sure. But um, <laughs> but I think when we do these kind of episodes, it's kind of an opportunity for us to talk about like the genre as a whole or in the case of our like Christmas and Halloween episodes to, you know, just talk about spooky movies or Christmassy movies or yeah. something like that. So which I think is fine. Yeah. Um. Okay, so since we're going in chronological order usually, I guess that means we are going to start with Evil Dead 2. Um, what year did this come out? 1987. 
Okay. Wow. That's closer to the 90s than I realized. With a small um, $3.5 million budget. <laughs> yeah, it looks like, honestly, barring special effects, it probably wasn't very expensive to shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, how, uh, what, what year did the Evil Dead one come out? <laughs> I think 82, if I'm not mistaken. Um, okay. 81. 81. Okay. Um, so yeah, yeah some time has passed like, <laughs> was i don't know if you like how acquainted you are with like the backstory of the movie. was there like a lot of demand for a sequel um i also don't know how the first one ends so i don't know how directly it ties uh, into this one okay. so let's do personal experiences first because explaining yeah. <laughs> the production of this movie actually infers the narrative of the movie just because things had to be changed so okay yeah um we'll Um, get back to that then yeah stephanie we'll start with you and keep it simple what is your experience Um, with this movie (laughs) very little um uh yeah this was my first time seeing it um if you recall our halloween episode i had previously seen army of darkness which I now that now that I've seen this one, I can see how how it's the sequel to it. But at the time, I was like, "What is this? <laughs> what is this?" Um, so I guess I'm seeing the trilogy in reverse, and now I just have to watch the first one at some point. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, first time seeing it, uh, it was uh, I. You know what? I I had fun. I, I I had a I had a good time. Some laughs were had. Um, some eyebrows were raised. Uh, it, it was a good time. Um, some eyes were rolled yeah. and then launched out of yeah, the body. Yeah, yeah, a little uh. bit. <laughs> I had a whole uh, emoji ser- worth of reactions to this one. Uh, my favorite. My favorite of your live watch messaging me was a. Uh, uh, I am having a capital T time watching this movie. <laughs> <A> time. <laughs> I didn't even know what kind of time. Just a time. You know, you have a time sometimes. Uh, uh, what about you, Justin? Probably a longer story uh, here. Uh, so for me, I'm actually going to keep it short. If you want to hear about my okay. history with this franchise, go back and listen to our mm. Halloween episode. Um, mm. And I also talked about it a little bit, I think, on the slasher uh, episode. But um, uh, these movies I watched... First time I watched these movies when I uh, was when I was like twelve or thirteen, um, and since then I have watched them, or at least this one, uh, every year around Halloween time. So I have seen this movie an ungodly amount of times. It's usually a tradition. Uh, uh, like as a teenager, it was just like, oh guys, I have to show you this like weird and fucked up movie. Uh, and as an adult, it's hey guys, we need to get really drunk and watch this weird and fucked up movie. <laughs> Uh, and it's just, it, it's part of my, uh, my thing. I believe this movie is actually the, uh, the strangest addition in my Justin's Comfy Pants movie, uh, because I'm so nostalgic for it that watching all this carnage happen is very comforting. I love it. Um, it's pretty funny, actually. So now, I, just so people don't think I'm a one-trick pony, the reason why I chose this movie, um for this episode is I know I chose Army of Darkness for our spooky month uh, episode, but this is my favorite in the franchise. And I wasn't sure 
if it was safe for Caleb. Caleb. I really yeah. don't. I really don't yeah. know where that line is. I feel like this is close to the line, but it might just be right over it. That's the frustrating thing. Is I there are so many movies where I'm like, I. I can't quite tell. I, I really can't quite tell. It, it could go either way. Uh, so I really wanted Stephanie, who had a, shall we say, lukewarm reaction to Army of Darkness. Yeah. Uh, to see my favorite in the franchise and see if it changed uh, her opinion at all. Um, so yeah, I, I, feel I, like I, I love this movie. <laughs> I feel like I comprehend Army of Darkness a little more now. At the time, I was like, um, what is this? <laughs> at least now i feel like i have more context so i would say overall that that does help yes <laughs> uh so before we start jumping into the plot talking about the themes question mark sure. <laughs> sure. Of, of this movie uh, i will give a little a little background on its production um so the first evil dead which was just made by sam raimi bruce campbell ted raimi like that team scraped up what money they could i believe they like uh even put a lien on bruce campbell's dad's like property to get money for the first one and luckily for them it worked out and launched all of their careers um now sam raimi did make some other movies with bigger budgets in between these two um specifically crime wave in 1985 which was a uh, failure i've never seen it myself but it didn't make any money so they were like, okay, before we are uh, uh, completely fucked, let's go ahead, make a sequel to Evil Dead. When they went to make a sequel to Evil Dead, they realized that because of the contract they signed, they do not have the rights to their original film. So, the first what? five to eight minutes of this movie is a retelling of Evil Dead one but like super condensed instead of it being a group of teenagers that goes to the cabin it's just ash and linda um so actually the plot of evil dead 2 proper does not start till ash is flying through the woods um which is how the first movie ends spoiler (laughs) oh oh that's interesting yeah um so yeah and then Mm -hmm. we pick up in the production of evil dead 2 and that's also why at the end of the movie you get the setup for Army of Darkness, but it happens differently because the same rights thing happened again <laughs> with Evil Dead oh, 2 and no. Army of Darkness. That, okay, that's true. I did notice at the end of this one that I was like, oh, that's the thing that happens in Army of Darkness. So, and or... if you watched Ash vs. Evil Dead, it happens again, again, and that's why they can't reference like S-Mart or anything because they don't have the rights to Army of Darkness. Oh my god. <laughs> So did the rights just change hands every time they yeah, did a new movie? Because for the first two, especially, um, the studios who released it were taking what they viewed as such a risk um, that the the okay. deals were a little wonky. Um, so yeah, the rights for the Evil Dead franchise are a uh, a fucking mess. <laughs> that yeah, I don't envy I don't envy Sam that at all. Um, Sam and company. But yeah, so. Long story short, to get through the opening, uh, Ash goes to a cabin uh, with his girlfriend, Linda. Uh, They play from a tape recorder, which is a scientist, archaeologist, um, reading from the Book of the Dead. Those recorded incantations re-release the Deadites, and 
boom, Linda gets gets possessed and carnage ensues. <laughs> yeah, that the so is the way they possess people, they just like suddenly just appear inside them. Like you don't ever like see Yeah, no the there's not like a slow entities. burn ever. It's just like you're there. <laughs> do, so uh, do they, they they just like well it's always interesting to me because it's like we frequently see their like the perspective of the thing like traveling mm-hmm. like you, you, they do like the pov shots of it like racing through the air or whatever and then it's like so do they just like zoom into you like that <laughs> i think uh, that's what Are they we're left until then yeah that's what? that's what we're meant to infer there might be something they can see like a fog or something, but mm. we, the audience, never see it. But they're definitely seeing something and running from it. Um, oh. So, about that Ash getting thrown through the woods scene, um, I that is one of the last things they filmed, and that is because that is done by a camera on Bruce Campbell as the rest of the crew picked up branches and just ran at him and hit them with it. They broke his jaw. <laughs> what? Filming that scene. Wait, so he, like, stood still and... Yeah, just reacted they... as they, like, just smacked him with branch. <laughs> <laughs> Why did they do my man's face uh, like that? And oh I... If I remember correctly, I could be wrong. Um, the plates and glass bottles that he breaks over his head are plates and glass bottles. <laughs> oh my uh, god. They didn't have the money for the, like, sugar-based breakaway stuff yeah this guy took some punishment for this movie yeah bruce campbell is uh nothing if not committed (laughs) uh yeah wow okay well i feel kind of bad for him now damn um (laughs) so like hmm. oh just so so you said that that's how like the first movie ends so is it like more or less the same circumstances like at the end of the first one he gets possessed or, or something you, or? you don't see him get possessed it literally ends with the entity flying at him and that's it um there is okay. there's a fan edit of all three movies um that fixes the continuity problems and it's really great the only things are um small changes like linda changes actresses <laughs> Because uh, it's a, a different actress playing her in Evil Dead One and Evil Dead Two, um, so but, so it's but a really good char- edit. Yeah, yeah, Sorry. she's in there. Is her character so, the same in the first one? That's weird. yeah, yeah. Evil Dead One. Um, a group of people go, including Ash and Linda. Everyone gets possessed. Ash has to kill everybody. The movie. You think it's gonna end on a hopeful note, and then you see the thing fly and get Ash. Um, so, in this movie, it's only Linda, uh, but for the sake of the franchise, you have to remember, Ash has just had to butcher, like, four of his friends. (laughs) Okay, Okay. and so is this, like, then immediately afterward? Yeah, yeah, uh, the minute he flies through the woods, that's, like, it's the same day. (laughs) Or, I guess, night has come, and then it's the next day, but it's the same time period. Same trip to the cabin. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Wow. Sorry. 
Yeah, that is a little confusing, but I, I think I get it now. I think I get it. And um, knowing that it kind of makes, because the first few minutes of this movie are so, like, cornball and in the interactions yes. between Ash and Linda. Oh, like, yeah. It's so He's painfully awkward. He's playing the piano, dude. It, it's so lie. funny. And I feel like that's that's Sam being like, okay, we have to set this up. I really don't want to. I already made the damn movie. Let's, like, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> let's just, whatever. Let's just get through it. Yeah, that was kind of funny. It, it was also funny. Um, having not seen the first one, I I kind of understood because I could kind of infer what had happened in the first one to make it make more sense. But it was mm-hmm. a little funny if someone didn't know anything about the first one. Like when um his girlfriend gets possessed and he just immediately decapitates her. Like does not <laughs> hesitate at all. Just and I was like, if I. <laughs> If I didn't know that this guy had already had some experience with this, I would be like, bro, you're not even going to wait two seconds to see what's going on. Just immediate decapitation. (laughs) And that was a big thing when this movie came out. Um, People were like, wait, so this dumbass goes back to the cabin? (laughs) (laughs) I actually thought that at first, too. But then I was like, but wait, I feel like I remember in the first one, I remember hearing that in the first one, the Book of the Dead gets read from. I was like, so if it's getting read from in this one too, this must be some kind of continuity in which he didn't know that. Or I, or I don't know. Yeah, I, I figured there was something screwy going on. Cause yeah, that would be, <laughs> that would be an ultimate dumbass move. I mean, not to say that that's not in character. <laughs> with Ash. That's true. (laughs) He's extremely a character where it's difficult to tell how intelligent he is at any given time. That's the thing. He's like, seems super dumb, but then he like fashions that chainsaw weapon. In Army of Darkness, he has all those chemistry books in there and teaches them how to make (laughs) gunpowder and shit. (laughs) Maybe he's just like, he was going to engineering college, but was like a burnout. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he's... He seems like he has some practical knowledge. Uh, maybe dad, not the most intellectual, but... <laughs> we find out in the TV series that his dad does own a hardware store, so maybe he's just very <laughs> tools Okay, makes knows. sense. <laughs> makes um, sense. <laughs> so, plot, not much to talk about. After <laughs> Linda gets possessed, it's really just the demon fucking with Ash in progressively more ridiculous and hilarious uh, uh ways really yeah. the, the only time there's even a hint of there being more plot is when we get introduced to our other characters yeah the other characters who are here for some reason but <laughs> all get killed so it doesn't really matter um i like annie being there yeah um and i like i can never remember his name i think jake the overalls guy just because i love i love his readings of bobby joe bobby joe i know (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was also great like him and like it's like this like redneck ass looking motherfucker that this like gorgeous woman who's just kind of hanging out with him and like no one bats an eye at it it's pretty funny um yeah that was that was such a weird that whole subplot was so weird but it's fine i mean they needed other bodies there otherwise it was just going to be ash Mm -hmm. i guess surviving the whole movie so there wouldn't be a lot of people getting killed 
the only character who's really like relevant to the plot is Annie does need to be there to translate the pages. So like her and her boyfriend, fiance, husband, I have no right, idea. Right, that guy who's there, I always forget that he's, or I already forgot that he was even there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, the only reason I remember him is he has one of the more uh, memorable monster designs <laughs> in the franchise. That's true. Uh, he did have uh, a pretty good monster design. <laughs> Um, so yeah, they, they show up, they're trying to go to the cabin, which is their, uh, Annie's parents' cabin. Uh, the bridge is destroyed because the evil is trying to keep Ash there. Um, Ash, they by the really way, was, Ash in particular. um, yes. And I think it's because they know Ash is the chosen one. That's also why there's some like movie bullshit where Ash, for some reason, uh, via the power of memory <laughs> is able to push out the, the evil uh, when he sees um linda's little magnifying glass necklace thing um oh, was that shit yeah she was wearing that around her neck so when he right. married her he he kept it so that's what he looks at and it like that's beautiful it's him. the power of love and magic <laughs> it's the power of love and magic bitch mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> our unofficial slogan yes <laughs> it keeps uh, showing up so yeah, if you just accept like a chosen one narrative with Ash, everything that happens to him makes a little more sense, and it yeah. makes it fun because he like he would be super fucking dead otherwise. Yeah, I know it is kind of funny. That's like so many times it's like oh that this other person got killed like that, but he's kind of still kicking around. It's fine. Um, Literally going, I'm all right now. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I. Oh my god. Um, yeah, it, it is very much like, of course, a lot of horror movies are like this, like we talked about last week, where it's like, side characters get killed a lot, but the protagonist just kind of gets fucked with, yeah. <laughs> like, long enough for the movie to happen. <laughs> um, like, for instance, that's, see, that's another thing I maybe never quite understood is why the um, de- Deadites, is that what mm-hmm. they're called? Why the Deadites spend so much time like just kind of fucking around and like being obnoxious instead of just immediately possessing people do they just like doing that <laughs> like <laughs> that's that's my guess um i did <laughs> i did have that theory that it's a that the way the deadites behave as like uh vulgar jokesters um yeah is because of the exorcist and how over the top <laughs> um, well what i was thinking of was like <laughs> like i actually kind of liked this scene it was kind of beautiful um when um <laughs> linda's uh body rises from the grave and is dancing around naked and headless um i was like this is a fun visual, but why is this happening? <laughs> I is, love is is the deadite just enjoying having a body again? <laughs> like I, I, I think, and it's also to just like psychologically fuck with Ash as well. But I love in that scene when she hops into the woods and just goes, ah! <laughs> I fucking laughed, dude. Like <laughs> she's just like fucking waltzing around, and he's like, hmm. Mm-hmm. And then she's just like, okay, bye. <laughs> and then, of course, immediately pops up later, as one could expect, but it is pretty funny. Like, they're just like, okay, I'm done now. Like, yeah, 
It's so fun. God damn it. Actually pretty good. I love love this movie. Uh, Another scene I'll never forget um, is the the laughing scene. Um, Which one was that? uh, Where the the deer head comes to life and like the lamp starts laughing. Right, and everything's laughing and even the inanimate objects uh, are now like possessed and laughing. I'll never forget. (laughs) I was on a long car ride. Uh, with some friends when I was like 15 so none of us were driving their parents were driving but they had a DVD player in the car and I had this with me and my friends were like hey uh we haven't watched Evil Dead 2 yet let's watch it uh, I was like I, I don't know if it's the best thing to watch on a long car ride especially for the parents and I was right the minute this laughing scene starts happening they were like turn that shit off <laughs> You know, so funny. that I completely can understand that. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. There, there were actually some parts where I actually laughed. I am wishing I could remember what they were. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know I actually laughed a few times. Oh, my God. I See, this is why I need to start taking notes again, because I keep forgetting <laughs> this stuff. But, I, but, uh... Um, so a little bit of fun trivia so I mentioned in the slasher episode that um, they're watching Evil Dead 1 in A Nightmare on Elm Street when Ash goes into the work shed in this movie Freddy's glove is hanging from the ceiling so that's a little bit of like love between the directors (laughs) I didn't even notice that that's cool Um, huh I just I love this movie. And again, Bruce Campbell's performance when his hand gets possessed, just him kicking his own ass for like 10 minutes of the movie is gold. (laughs) Yes. The possessed hand stuff was pretty funny, especially when you remember that it's literally just Bruce Campbell having to do all that stuff with his hand. Flipping himself, breaking the plates. Such a beautiful piece of acting where he's knocked out and the hand is like... (laughs) and like pulling the body i think that was part of the one of the parts where i i had to laugh because of the hand just making all these weird little sounds like it's grumbling to itself constantly it's like so the movie is very very slapstick until everyone else shows up in the cabin then it tones down a little bit. It never starts taking itself seriously. Like, I mean, an eyeball still pops out of a demon and flies into a woman's mouth. Yes. Uh, yes. But oh my God. it gets significantly less Looney Tunes uh, when Ash is no longer alone. <laughs> That's true. It's like the movie starts trying to actually movie a little bit more. Mm-hmm. It's like, keep trying, little guy. Um, so, it's, uh... <laughs> yeah. After <laughs> Ash has had to... Kill all of his friends. Uh, re-kill his girlfriend. Um, which I have to admit, this movie is ridiculous, but as a 12-year-old, when uh, her head was in the vice and she's like, even now she burns in hell! I was like, yo, this is fucked up, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but then her puppet body comes out with a chainsaw. <laughs> yeah. <that's... laughs> yeah, uh, that, 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 was, uh, that was fun. So it's like... <laughs> And the puppet really trying to fuck with them. Which once the puppet walks in, it stops moving, and it's clearly just someone like the puppet's on a board, and someone's just like slamming it into Bruce Campbell. <laughs> <It's> so... 
kills me as it's just spewing black like whatever it is <laughs> i i can genuinely say this might this and army of darkness might be the only movies of this type that i have ever seen <laughs> like i've i've never been much of a horror comedy person but uh <laughs> it's um it's something for sure i we're we are going to watch brain dead together eventually only because or dead alive is what we know it here as peter jackson's movie um only because i watched when i watched this i watched it on my blu-ray and i like sat through the trailers because like what trailers are gonna come on before this and a trailer for (laughs) dead alive came out and i forgot about the scene where the pastor uh roundhouse kicks a zombie and goes I kick ass for the Lord. <laughs> and I was like, okay, Stephanie needs to see this. <laughs> okay, now I actually feel like I do need to see it. <laughs> I, okay. It, this is a genre <laughs> I I just... It, it, it is so my thing in a way that I can't fully articulate. <laughs> it, uh <laughs> I guess I, I'm trying to figure out why I've never really, like, um, been interested in it before. I guess it's because, like, the, maybe the brand of humor has never exactly been my brand. <laughs> I don't know. I, not that I don't love some slapstick every now and then. <laughs> Um, but that, you know what, that's fine. I'm, I'm willing to learn. Uh, (laughs) it certainly doesn't seem like a type of movie that we're getting a lot of nowadays, but that can be said of a lot of types of movies. Yes. So, Um, so diving back into the plot, uh, the other people show up, Ash has clearly lost his mind, um, so when he hears something outside... Uh, he just fires the shotgun, uh, which I can't blame the guy. He has had to kill all of his friends, kill his girlfriend twice, chop off his own hand. Um, yeah, I'd probably so be, be a- shooting at everything that moves, too. Yeah, I, I'd be a little on edge. Um, and I actually do kind of like... This is a point I was trying to make a long time ago. Um, mm. I do kind of like the tone shift here, because once other people show up, um, it changes the whole vibe in the cabin That's true. and of course these people who are there to see annie's parents and they just find a bunch of blood everywhere and a dude missing a hand who just fired a gun out the door yeah they had the natural reaction of okay this fucker hurt my family <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that's just shot true. our friend um but that uh that changes pretty quick that, that's resolved pretty fast <laughs> yeah i yeah the stuff with like the family is the closest the movie ever gets to having any any kind of emotional core it doesn't last very long but i guess it's there a little bit (laughs) i do appreciate how quick annie um breaks uh uh, monster movie and possession tropes like she instantly when uh henrietta is like trying to return to human form and talk to her she's like that thing's not my mother and then when ash is possessed later she's like 
uh, when Ash is unpossessed later, she's like, no, nah, I don't believe you. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> yeah, that was true. She was going to murder him. <laughs> and he's like, I'm not possessed. <laughs> um, but how can you of, know, man? Speaking hmm. of Henrietta, our, our favorite fruit cellar dwelling uh, demon woman. She's played just stuck down there that cellar the whole time. Could you tell who was playing her? No. That is Ted Raimi. Uh, really? In, in that suit, yeah. I, oh my god. I feel like I need to go back and watch it knowing that. And uh, see if I can identify Ted Raimi's nerdy little face somewhere in, under all that prosthetic. But there's apparently scenes specifically when Henrietta's like flying that you see a uh, liquid pouring out of her and that is actually Ted Raimi's sweat. Apparently it was so hot in that suit that he was like actually dehydrated. Oh my god. <laughs> but that's still awful. Giving it his all. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Right, she does fly. I completely forgot about the part at the end where she's like flying around a it's so, dude, I don't even, it's a lot. Um, it's so much. And her <laughs> turning into a chimpanzee-sounding giraffe monster. <laughs> right, when her neck, like, do, I don't, I, I, I don't. I, it's not that I can't accept this stuff happening, it's just that I'm like, wait, but why is the deadite now choosing to do this? I don't know. <laughs> I guess that's what always gets me. I'm like, but why now? <laughs> so uh, as soon as the other people beat up Ash, throw him in the cellar, play the tape, realize mm. what's going on, um, bodies start a-dropping. Uh, yeah, they do. <laughs> as soon as Ash gets out, uh, Ed turns, and he has to kill Ed after the whole Dead by Dawn sequence, which is the subtitle of this movie. Um, and, oh god, uh, um, stuff keeps Bobby escalating. Joe runs out Bob- into the woods. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so this is what I was trying to get to. Yeah. The, the tree scene in this one, uh, mm. is a lot nicer. <laughs> yeah. Than the one in Evil Dead 1. I'm assuming you've heard talk. Dude, I actually had a panicky moment when I was watching this and I saw the tree stuff start to happen and I was like, wait, I thought that was Evil Dead 1. Am I? I thought that was Evil Dead One. <laughs> like I seriously thought I was about to have to watch it. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, uh, it's it's different. Yeah, it, it it feels like Sam being like, "I'm going to make the audience think this is happening again," but maybe that was too much. Uh, maybe yeah. that was too much last time. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I gotta I mean, watch still, it at some point. But woof, it's still terrible. Like the uh, out of all the gory things that happen, the tree like planting branches in her fate like i know they just straight up like didn't yeah, even it, bother going through an orifice just just yeah it uh it's pretty pretty gnarly um so this ed's dead bobby joe's dead um our good old boy jake gets the gun um throws the pages that will seal away the evil down the cellar. Why did he do uh, that again? I can't remember. Because uh, he's stupid and the plot demanded it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the reason a lot of people do stuff in these movies. Um, and then, of course, he leads uh, Ash and Henrietta out at gunpoint. Um, 
Ash gets possessed again and is only saved later by the power of love and magic. Uh. <laughs> the amount of times he gets possessed and yet never gets killed, it's pretty amazing. Good, good, good for my mans. Uh, so Annie escapes, and then when Jake rushes back into the cabin, he is stabbed in the gut by a scared Annie. Uh, I, I love when <laughs> she's trying to, like, move his body but shut the door at the same time, and she's, like, touching on his hip and then on his ankles, and then she finally gets the door closed, and she's dragging him, and he's screaming, and she's just like, shut up! Shut up! Like, I mean, I would crack under that stress, too, but yeah, I feel bad for the guy. I mean, it's kind of right. his fault, but I feel bad for the guy. I know. <laughs> it, yeah, there's, like, that whole long sequence of just them in the cabin, and I don't even remember. I'm trying to remember anything that happens there. Like, I know he gets killed, but I can't remember anything leading up to it. Like, Yeah, it, it's literally just, like, her, they're trying to escape Ash. <laughs> the door thing goes on for a while and poor guys just get the crap kicked out of him then she drags him down the hallway and uh lay lays his body next to the cellar door entrance god knows like, why uh, yeah and then of course uh what happens happens and that is he gets killed uh friday the 13th style i know i was like and where the hell is all that blood coming from but that's not for us to know that is one of two blood floods in the movie the other is when he shoots the wall of the cabin and it sprays him and then unsprays him as a joke (laughs) yeah yeah for the walls uh it's it's so much so god what happens after that ash shows back up uh, this is the love and magic scene because he knocks right. Annie out for a second. Um, she tries to kill him. They decide they gotta go get the pages. Ash is like, I got this. Groovy. Chainsaw right. hand. Right, chainsaw <laughs> hand. Yes, of course. You know what? Good for him. That's that's great. He, he, he found a good use for not having a hand, which is more than can be said uh, of most of us. Also, uh, my favorite I see what you did there joke in the movie is when he puts the bucket over the hand and weighs it down with books and the top book is a farewell to arms i saw okay that was i think that was one of the parts where i laughed and i was like "Eh, yeah that's good that's 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 great guys and i meant to say something about it so i'm glad you did because i totally forgot i was like wow we're we're really we're really pulling out the jokes now (laughs) like that's great (laughs) Oh peak, peak. You know, you really, you really come to Evil Dead for the jokes that they make you think. They make you think. Really? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh <laughs> Roll yeah. around in the wow, old noodle. It's like for a he while. really did say farewell to his arm. Like, whoa. <laughs> um, yeah. So from here on out, it's just it, it's just Ash kicking ass, um, and Annie translating, <laughs> and the portal opens, and Annie doesn't quite get to. Oh, well, hold on. Before the portal opens. The fucking giant monster. <laughs> yeah, this thing, which is there for some reason. I didn't is, really, was it just like a deadite, but a big one? Uh, so it, she says that the first part of the passage that she read gave the evil flesh. So it is like the culmination right. of all of the right. demons and spirits there. Which I think I uh, people who are super into this franchise like me, let me know. Uh, at the end of Ash vs. Evil Dead, skip ahead 
a minute if you don't want spoilers for the show. Um, the actual, like, the giant Kandarian demon shows up at the end of that, and I am at, I think that's what this is supposed to be, is that Kandarian demon. Huh, um, okay. And, yeah, so, uh, Annie, at the last minute, almost finishes the incantation and gets rid of the evil from our time, but the portal doesn't close, mm. and Ash is hurled back to uh, uh, Army of Darkness times. Medieval and times, dinner, and joust, <laughs> or whatever it's called. It's also worth noting, because uh, I skipped over it, the reason that Annie can't finish the passage is because <laughs> Ash's hand comes back and stabs her in the back. <laughs> <laughs> right, it was the fucking hand, dude. <laughs> that, uh, that's some bullshit. There's no reason she had to die right there, but I guess just movies got a movie. I do feel, um, speaking of the hand, when Ash first gets bitten... And it, uh, after everything settles with Linda and he goes back into the cabin and he notices his hand is starting to be possessed when he has it pinned to the ground and he's just like, give me back my hand. <laughs> I'm like, you poor son of a bitch. <laughs> he's so, he's so, so <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was, <laughs> yeah. Been through Br- so much, buddy. <laughs> Bruce, Bruce Kibble's. He's doing something here. Uh, he's he's sure doing some things. <laughs> the man <laughs> is sure a exactly national what. treasure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? Good good for him. Good for him. Um, yeah. That's, uh, um, yeah. And, and that, uh, talking about this movie, uh, it doesn't do it justice because it is, <laughs> for, better, for better or worse, uh, depending on who you are, it is certainly a sight to behold. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually kind of glad you it. went through it because, like, there are, like, bits and pieces that I, like, definitely remembered. I was like, yeah, I remember that shit, but I, like, always remember the connective tissue because <laughs> it's it's a lot of random shit happening, it, people running around and... Yeah, so yeah. we haven't done the beat-by-beat beat thing in a while, but I figured with this one, there's so few story beats that, like, just going through it would help us remember the bits right. in between that we liked. I'm fine with it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So so that is that is of course the the this is the Empire Strikes Back of the Evil Dead trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> the Last Jedi of the Evil Dead trilogy. Um <laughs> it uh uh i love these movies uh wholeheartedly um i have kool-aid-esque blood pumping through my veins <laughs> uh, there's a lot of kool-aid-esque blood going on here i i do recommend and if i have my say eventually down the line we will talk about the remake as well um because uh yo the remake is fucked up. Yeah, but I don't like that. That's so <laughs> scary. Uh, yeah. Uh, it is a horror movie where terrible, terrible, terrible things happen the entire movie, and none of it is cut away from. It is just 
That's funny because they cut away from like almost everything in this Uh, one now that I think about it. That being said, there is one big cornball cheesy moment that happens at the end of the of the remake and because it is the first tension relief you get in like two hours it hits hard (laughs) so why did they i'm just so confused by that since the evil dead trilogy is so famous for being like like horror comedy cheese like why were they just like okay let's remake the evil dead but as like a really awful scary horror movie like i I think because such a weird choice the team that made the first three movies and what they were able to do kind of like uh same i'll describe it the same way i describe ghostbusters is these three movies are lightning in a bottle like to do the comedy horror gore mixture that they do um and have it uh be as impactful and not feel uh corny in a bad way um they couldn't they do had it, so they were like, comedy. let's take this, let's take this concept, um, and really just, like, ramp it up in the other direction, which was smart. Um, this is one of the few horror remakes that I think, uh, adds something to the franchise instead of just feeling kind of Cause they blah. Cause do I, something I different with it. Yeah, I don't like the Rob Zombie Halloweens. I don't like the Friday the 13th reboots. I don't like the Nightmare reboots. Yeah. I don't like the Texas Chainsaw reboots, but the yeah. Evil Dead reboot, um, it was, I I was very, very happy with it. Is it, is it like, does the same stuff happen? Just like more graphically? Like, is it the same plot beats? Like the same story? Uh, I, so, just a brief, brief aside. They, uh, it's still teenagers going to a cabin, finding, uh, like, finding the tape player. One of them gets curious and see, see what's on it and plays it. But the entire setup of the movie is they are going to the cabin um, to do a detox vacation because the main character of the reboot, Mia, I, I think her name's Mia, um, is an addict and she's trying to, like, get sober um, so as she's going through this emotional thing, trying to get sober, uh, all of her friends start becoming horrible, uh, demons and mutilating themselves and everyone else in the cabin and she gets possessed and it's a whole, yeah, it's a, that's fun. It's a whole thing. Uh, so I wouldn't say it's a fun uh, watch, yeah, yeah. but it's a, it is a, it's a good horror movie. <laughs> okay well i guess i'll have to watch it at some point unfortunately yeah takes itself a lot more seriously but that being said not so much that it feels like oh well look how like edgy we're being it feels it feels natural uh in my opinion anyway so uh big fan of this franchise um i'm glad (laughs) i got you to watch this one uh because it is my favorite it's one of my favorite movies of all time because i am who i am unfortunately (laughs) and uh yeah see you can get me to watch anything with enough persuasion caleb that's the hard sell but uh me i i have all kinds of movies that like i don't know but usually if you're like come on stephanie it's for art i'll be like fine so (laughs) at least there's that all right so uh, now for something completely different. Um, <laughs> we, we will be back after the break to talk about It Follows. 
Let's get somber. <laughs> Already there. <laughs> hey, everyone. Thanks for checking out our show. Give us a follow on Twitter at SoundsFamiliar and let us know any film pairings you would like us to cover. Did you also know that we have a sister show that covers cryptids, UFOs, and anything else strange and spooky? If that sounds like your thing, be sure to listen to I Hope You Exist on your favorite podcast service. We love you. Now back to the show. All right, welcome back from the break. We are here to talk about it, the thing that follows. <laughs> it is the thing, and the thing that it does is to follow you because of reasons. Yeah. yeah. You see, uh, Stephanie, I can explain it really easily. Um, you see, it's because it <laughs> follows. Wow. Are, are you understanding? Okay. That's beautiful. You know what? I really understand now that that made it make so much sense. See, the thing um, about it is, <laughs> I will go all night with that. that. <laughs> oh <laughs> uh, yeah oh god i love this movie so much i i, I do like to rib on it a little bit but <laughs> it's a fave for sure um yeah this movie has almost nothing in common with evil dead 2 probably but uh other than that it feels very 80s no <laughs> that's true that's true um yeah, actually, when when um, we watched, I think I talked about this in our Slashers episode, but when I watched um, Halloween, I was kind of struck by, like, a lot of, like, smallish similarities um, that I noticed in It Follows. I think it's pretty clear that um, David Robert Mitchell was probably pretty influenced by, I, I think, yeah, like, by 80s horror in general, but I think particularly by Halloween, I noticed a lot of that. Yeah, um, it's just the way, the way the score is designed, all of the music oh, yeah. cues, just oh, yeah. just the aesthetics of this film, even down to its marketing. I'm looking at um, one of the official posters on the wiki page, and it is just like it is a early '80s horror like oh, staple. <laughs> yes, um, um, I, I yeah, I actually have the steel book, um, and like. Yeah, it does look very 80s. It's like the girl like adjusting the mirror. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I had that one. Um yeah, I and it's funny because like I, as we've talked about before, I haven't really even seen that many 80s horror movies. I mean, I've seen more now <laughs> than we've done this month. Um but I do really really love the aesthetic of this movie, which I guess is one of the things that it's more famous for. Mm-hmm. Um has a had a has a pretty strong um look and uh sound to it yes um both of which i think are really great and um <laughs> see you know how you like talked about how um evil dead 2 is like weirdly a comfy pants movie for you yeah. like, <laughs> that's how this is for me like it's such it's weirdly like such a comfort movie for me i don't know i just love the feel of it like i just love the world it's like it's like if a vaporwave playlist was a horror movie (laughs) see and right there even if i hadn't seen it before if you told me that i'd be like uh sold yeah um 
like oh gosh i could talk about that forever i guess let's do experiences first um that <laughs> i've seen this movie many times I, I don't know exactly how many times um i didn't get to see it in theaters unfortunately i was in college at the time and wasn't going to the theater a lot due to living on campus um but I did see it a couple years later, a couple years after it came out in 2014, and I watched it on streaming because I had heard a lot of good about it and was um, really intrigued by the trailer, um, and I was super obsessed with it, and I've seen it a lot of times since then. I own the Steelbook, which is not something I can say of most movies <laughs> or any movies except that one, honestly. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I really like it. It's one of probably one of my favorite movies, honestly. Nice. Um, yeah, for me, uh, this is only my second time seeing it. Um, I saw it way back when um, when it was first released, when the hype was out of control for this movie. There was like a solid six months where I heard about this almost daily, um, just from the circles that I ran in, both Kinda online and in person. That. Yeah. Um, I wasn't on social media much at the time, and I, like I said, I wasn't going to movies much, and it makes me a little sad, because... <laughs> well, um, sorry, what were you saying? But no, I, um, I really liked it. It, it. It's funny that you said the, uh, don't make them like they used to thing last half of the episode, because that <laughs> is, this... When I watched this movie, I was like, okay, they make them like they used to. Like, this is... It, <laughs> Occasionally, feels, they do make them like It feels to. familiar. Hello. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and just... And that's not saying that I'm... It, it feels samey. That's right, other right. things that came before. It, it, it just it feels like it belongs but... in that pantheon of, yes. of classic horror movies. And it fits there. It earns its own place, and it fits there very snugly. Um, yes. Do I think this movie is perfect? No, but what it lacks in logic a lot and, of stuff, yeah. and a lot of stuff it makes up for with them dank aesthetics. Yeah, the vi- I think this movie is all about the vibes, as, as we've said with some movies before, and the vibes are on point, if you ask me. Um, so uh, speaking of the music, uh, made by musician Disaster Piece... Uh, which is a double pun because it sounds like masterpiece, but disaster. But also, peace is peace as in like uh, not war, not peace as in like a puzzle. Ooh. So it's a double. Ooh. Both parts are a pun <laughs> that make one pun, and That's I love cool. you for it. Wow. Um, yeah, does a lot I of video game soundtracks, uh, most notably Hyperlight Drifter, um, which came out two years after it follows and was very well received and praised for its soundtrack so it makes a lot of sense (laughs) oh yeah i'm i'm obsessed with the soundtrack like sometimes i'll just listen to it it has to be the right time because it's pretty spooky but Mm -hmm. um it's so good i love it um some of the tracks i think are, are fine for just like chill vibes other ones are not very chill vibes (laughs) <laughs> there's there's certain movies and maybe maybe we should do a special episode or something about it uh where the soundtracks um i experience more than the movie like if i have a late night drive and i'm yeah. kind of tired and i'm trying to like be just awake enough but not like 
I don't even know how to explain it. It's a vibe. Uh, I but I listened yeah. to the to the Drive soundtrack on on. Late I've heard that Drives. it has a good soundtrack. So well, yeah, I've heard it's a good movie. I need to actually watch it. Whoop. <laughs> it is. Great. Yeah. But we're not talking about Drive. We're talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed it the first time. It, it, admittedly, I enjoyed it a little less this time, uh, but I'm going to chalk that up to the fact that I watched it on Amazon, which it's on Amazon through IMDb TV. So about every 20 minutes, I got 90 fucking seconds of commercials yeah. Yeah. and it broke the vibes. <laughs> I actually was going to watch it on Amazon just so I didn't have to deal with finding the DVD and like putting it in and like... Mm-hmm. All that kind of stuff. But then I saw that it was with ads and I was like, "Mm, this is a movie that really benefits from immersion. So I'm not going to do that. And that's actually, I was going to save this for later, but it's a natural place to bring it up, I guess. Uh, I think that is exactly why I didn't enjoy it as much. Because with those breaks, I started to see the cracks (laughs) a little more. But the first time I watched it, when it was just, it had all of my attention. um, I, I really, really enjoyed it. So yeah uh start this movie uh either on a dvd or just pay the four dollars don't be cheap like me uh to watch it and then throw your phone across the room yeah and just let the vibes take you through oh the vibes they're so good good. yes um yeah this one is like it's weird because it's like I, re- I hesitate to call it a chill experience because there's some ways in which it is very unchill. Um, <laughs> a lot of ways, in fact. But it, I don't know. It's weird because, like, I've heard a lot of people say, a lot of people who liked the movie um, say that they were just really on edge the entire time and really tense the entire time and just, like, felt so anxious and, like, I totally get that because I think that is kind of what you're supposed to feel. And yet it's such a weird combination of those feelings. It's like on the one hand, you have this like weird chill zen feeling. And on the other hand, it's like just constant looking over your shoulder. It does it so well because the concept is something I'm surprised we haven't seen too, too often. uh, Yeah. Previously, it's that there's this thing. It's not coming at you quick. It might not be an immediate threat, but it's coming. You don't know when, <laughs> and you like don't know dream. what it's going to look like. It is just no matter where you are. Uh, and, and I've had many discussions. Uh, I don't know if you've had these with anybody just talking about like how you would try to deal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, it definitely invites those kind of discussions. Yeah, yeah. And I've, I've had everything from uh, just go to an orgy. Uh... <laughs> to uh, trap it in a shipping container and drop it in the ocean, um, to just moving across the country. But you don't, you never really know the rules of this thing, do you? Like, it, that's, and- I think, yeah, I think that it, I think, follows. in my view, what did you say? <laughs> yeah. said, I think that it makes it follows. I'm sorry. Well, I can't help <laughs> it, does, it does, in fact, follow. Um, <laughs> I think that the movie walks at a fine line, usually pretty well, occasionally not that well, walks a pretty fine line between telling you the rules of this thing and allowing it to kind of surprise you. Yeah. Like, um, like for instance, um, I don't know, I think generally the most important line about it is um, what's-his-fuck's line 
uh, where he says it's very slow, but it's not dumb, which yeah. is an interesting line because it, it's like, especially because the tagline says like, it doesn't think, it doesn't feel, it follows, which like is pretty cool. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, well, if it's not dumb, then doesn't it think? <laughs> I don't and it gets at in the first part of the movie it, it really is like it it just be following um be but then we see it uh as things ramp up and it really and it makes sense because they pissed it off when what's his fuck hits him with a uh, hits the creature with a chair uh i'd be pissed off if someone hit me with it, a chair too. it starts it starts kicking holes in doors and throwing stuff and like changing shape to fit into smaller areas like it uh really from the moment it gets hit with a chair it starts like I'm like all right that's how we're gonna do this is how we're gonna do this <laughs> shouldn't hit me with that damn chair bitch like yeah it which is interesting because it's like with a creature like that it could have just as easily or you might assume that it would be like an npc type of thing where it's like if it runs into a wall it just keeps walking and like is stuck there forever but it that's not quite how it works like we see it um for instance when it uh uh gosh that part after she has sex with what's his fuck greg um and she's like looking across the street and like watching the thing in greg's form like walk toward his house and it tries the door for like a few seconds and then just kind of calmly walks over and picks up a rock and breaks the window. Yeah. So it's like clearly there's some kind of thought process going on and yet it's never clear what it is. And to be fair, I think that's probably very intentional. Like that's not the point, you know. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it it's never quite clear, I think, what it can and can't do or what can and cannot happen to it, which... No, it definitely invites some uh, some nitpicking. I won't lie, but uh, I guess is good for the ambiguity. Yeah, yeah I think some um, ambiguity is good for that. I I think like it. it I think it is wonky, um, but that leads it to uh, adding a good uh, uh, escalation of yes. of the threat throughout the movie. Um, I, I don't think right. it's pulled off perfectly, but I do I do know why. It happens, and it's good enough for me. The fact that we can't, at the beginning, we aren't entirely clear on how it works or what it's capable of, and then, like you said, it kind of starts to, like, ramp up over the course mm -hmm. of the movie. Nice escalation. Yeah. Um, speaking of Greg, uh, I do feel super bad for that guy because you know one of his last thoughts was, yo, why does my mom have her titty out? I... <laughs> and he's dead. That's not what I want my last. <laughs> I know. I I know I shouldn't laugh when that scene happens, but every time like, he opens the door, he's like, "Mom," and the thing just kind of like looks at him for a second with this weirdly like, "Hey," kind of look. Like I don't. It's so weird, dude. I yeah. It's Great. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Jamie, uh, our protagonist, is an interesting character uh, in that in most horror movies, um, the protagonist will be like, okay, no, I'm going to try to save 
uh, as many people as I can. I'm going to figure this out. Like uh, old girl Nancy in uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, we see that Jamie is willing to sacrifice lives to give herself more time to figure it out. Um, fucking, was it three guys on the boat? And then they're sort having a conversation. Of. She's you like, know, actually, it'll be back eventually. Gonna... I was going to mention that. I was like, that's such a weird part to me because it doesn't the implications are strong but it's like it doesn't want us to be a hundred percent sure that it happened like i don't know that that, same thing from the way they're talking i'm sorry the way they're talking after the boat scene um she says it will be back eventually. It's the calmest she's been in a mm. while. So if, mm. to me, that reads like she knows she has like yeah. a little bit, but it's coming back because she didn't warn those guys. Did also, um, the ads kind of broke uh. my attention. Do you get a good look at the guys in the boat? There's like one shot from like a distance i think it's kind of implied to be like her perspective and it shows them like far away there's three of them they're like listening to music um see my she walks uh, into the water and next thing you see is her with wet hair and my my theory is because the next time she sees the entity it is a naked guy on her roof my theory is <laughs> it's the form of one of the guys on the <laughs> boat and that's why she has such like, you could tell she was bothered by that more than she was by oh my God. some of the you other know, ones. I was I I was wondering why well, actually, more so than the naked thing, I was wondering why it was on the roof. Because I was like, yeah. that doesn't seem like the most efficient way to reach her, so why is it on the roof? Um to be scary, I guess. Um but also I couldn't really tell because it was from a distance, but the form that was on the roof looked like a pretty old dude and none of the guys in the boat seemed like they were very old that would i've be only, only seen this i've only seen this on tiny tv so other than the fact that he had a beard i i have it's no okay. idea what that man looked like <laughs> i've seen this movie so many times that's the only reason i'm even able to nitpick <laughs> this um i don't know that that's that's interesting though because otherwise i i have no idea who it could be um Unless it was like supposed to be our grandfather, because that was the only old dude uh, yeah, who showed up. In a yeah, movie. I mean, if he's someone is credited as naked old man, so maybe I was just like <laughs> seeing him as younger maybe, than he maybe was. Maybe one of the guys on the boat was pretty old, but he's still down to party. I don't know. Hey, uh, hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's actually that's a cool idea, though. That actually kind of makes me wish that. Um, the thing showed up as as Greg at some point, like, because yeah. after even after it killed him, like that would be pretty cool. Um, I really I expected that to happen because yeah. other than it being Greg's mom, we don't really get a lot of the. Sometimes it shows up as people you know to hurt you. In the so movie. did you catch that little? Well, I don't know how little it. it it's. It's a big thing. It's just not super clear. Um, the fact that it's like taking the form of her, her dad, at the end, like in the pool scene. Yeah, 
yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So that was, like, interesting because that's super not telegraphed. Like, you only very briefly see, like, a, a photo of them. And I'm pretty sure there are other photos in the frame. And you have no idea, like, what the situation is there. And then randomly it's just like, surprise, bitch, I'm your dad and I'm trying to kill you. Like, I don't yep. know. <laughs> I only knew that because I uh, uh, read about it. <laughs> There's so many like blink and you'll miss it things in this movie, which I which obviously like makes it pretty rewatchable. But it also mm-hmm. makes you wonder how much is like how much we need to know to understand the story, if that makes sense. Like Yeah. I don't know. Um <laughs> that's the only thing that occasionally I don't know if bothers me is the right word, but makes me wonder with this movie is like it feels really deep, and yet occasionally I'm like, does the director know how deep it is? Like, or is it on purpose? Like, is he intentionally saying this? I um, <laughs> I, I think it's a little of column A, a little column B. Yeah. I think he... This is a director who, and I, I think this is the only one of their films I have seen, um... Uh, but they seem to enjoy reveling in ambiguity. Um, yes. And I I don't personally have a problem with that. I like it uh, because, I mean, one, uh, we obviously like talking about movies, but two, if a story can have keep me talking about it and discovering new things um, in a way that's not like us trying to make sense of something nonsensical, just like there's so much to dig through and everything yeah. wasn't spoon fed to us. I like that when it's done well and mm-hmm. I, I think it is here. Um so interestingly, this is not the only movie by this director I've seen. Um you should definitely watch Under the Silver Lake at some point, which I'm sure you've Will heard do. of. Uh, it, I've heard the title. <laughs> it is quite a movie and okay. I don't even know if that is a compliment. It's um... <laughs> Under the Silver Lake is a 2018 American neo-noir black comedy thriller. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like you would like it. It's, um, I, I've seen it twice now. It's very big on the vibes and the aesthetics like this movie. Um, it is super all over the place plot wise which i guess is probably part of the point um it's basically one guy played by andrew garfield like just going and following all these like mysterious threads around the the greater los angeles area um and um very much like it follows is has kind of that strong feeling of being set in and around Detroit. Um, I, I assume I just said that and I actually don't know. I think it's supposed <laughs> to be Detroit. Um, East uh, LA. Yeah. Under the Silver Lake is very much about LA and it, yeah. Neo-noir, honestly. Yeah. That's probably one of the best ways to describe it. And it's like about this guy, uh, going around and collecting all these clues and trying to find out about all these mysteries and some of them lead places and others don't and it, I, I don't know it's 
it's an interesting watch. It's just, it feels very much like the movie is throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. So I, I would be interested to hear your take on it. Um, I'm, uh, I'm super down, and uh, I will update you. <laughs> yeah. It has that similar feeling that It Follows has of, like, the weird combination of chill and anxiety, um, which I, I very much like. I would say... It's because it's the vibes that we have in real life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those real life. Um, I'm chilling, but also the anxiety is crushing me vibes. Um, the, the notable difference from It Follows to me, and part of why I say that I wonder how self-aware It Follows actually is, is that um, Under the Silver Lake, to me, feels like weirdly misogynistic at times. And there's no way of really explaining huh. this to you when you haven't seen it. I guess the shortest answer would be that there's like a million female characters in it. And most of them are super one-dimensional and are there to like be hot, give the, the main character some kind of explanation for something he needs, sleep with him about half the time, kind of just hang out with him the other half, and then either disappear or get killed. Um, <laughs> just So... I'm not saying it's a good thing, but neo-noir, it sounds like yeah. he's sticking to yeah. genre conventions there. <laughs> I, I, I have no doubt. I have no doubt. Um, it's um, the only, th honestly, it maybe feels more misogynistic in comparison to It Follows, because to me It Follows feels so, I am not going to use the word feminist because I think that's such a reductive way to describe a lot of things like this, but... Mm -hmm feels very much um, in tune with, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, the female gaze, the female experience. Like, it feels very true to the, um, well, how it kind of follows the emerging sexuality and <laughs> um, awful consequences, I guess, of that, uh, of its female protagonist um, as she enters young adulthood. Um, yeah, it feels very, yeah, it feels very empathetic to her and very interested in her personal experience of that, which I guess is the only reason why it seems to stand in such stark contrast to Under the Silver Lake, which is not interested in any woman's point of view at any point ever. So, <laughs> um, yeah, but anyways, enough about that one. You should watch it. I really want to talk about it. Okay. Um, so we'll get back to that. But sure. But, but to be fair, all of that is a compliment to It Follows because I think it does that really well. And I think it, it shows um, Jay's internal life really well and mm. shows her subjective experience of things. Um, I don't know. I really like that aspect of it. It feels very lived in, I guess, for such a strange, yeah. surreal world. Uh, now, so speaking of... Um things that may or may not be um uh statements hmm. the the way the curse is transmitted uh do you think that is a capital s statement because i i've seen <laughs> things that go uh uh on both sides of that argument and actually I, i've seen some things where they said that the role of uh reading straight from the wiki here uh, so i can keep my thoughts straight the role of 
the sexual transmission uh, came later in the story development, just to give an easier way for the curse to transfer between people. Um, so, yeah. I don't know, what do you think of all those think pieces that have things to say with a capital S as well about that? I think that two things, two different things can be true here. I think that on the one hand, the director had a really cool idea, which, if I remember correctly, was kind of based on some nightmares he had of the following thing and and needed a way for that to be transmitted <laughs> and came up with that. Like, I think that can totally be true. However, I do think that, once again, I don't know how intentional this is, but I guess it's a testament to the movie being good that we are, can even be having this debate. Um, yeah. I, to me, so my big read... <laughs> David Robert Mitchell, feel free to disagree with this. My big read on like the thematic underpinning of the story is that it's about like it's about the cycle of of life and the inevitability of death. Mm-hmm. And like specifically, it's about the the onset of adulthood and the growing awareness of one's own mortality that comes with that. And um in this case the onset of adulthood being signified uh by sexual experience and of course taking that into account with like (laughs) the the cycle of 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 sex and death as like reproduction and then (laughs) you know something reproduces then it dies and then the next thing dies and then reproduce yeah like so forth and so on um i'm explaining this terribly but you get what i mean (laughs) it's uh to me it seems very much like about that kind of terrible cycle that we all have to live through um in particular i some things i noticed like um the uh right right before uh hugh drops her off at the house they're playing the card game old maid um and the I, I started to realize that that was like quote unquote thematically significant when I saw on the soundtrack that the the title of the track where she sees the old woman approaching her is called Old Maid. So I was like, okay, so clearly this is a thing. And I used to play this card game with my brothers all the time as a kid. It's Ooh, <laughs> once again a personal connection. I know, I know. <laughs> Speaking of weirdly misogynistic, weirdly misogynistic card game where it's like you can get any card, but the card you really don't want is the old maid card because mm. you know that means you're an old ma- an old unmarried woman, and that's the worst thing for anyone to ever be. Um, <laughs> so that's the whole point of the game is that if you draw the old maid card, you you that's it, you lose. Like. And so, Jesus Christ! Yeah, yeah, it's, that's yeah. Um, and uh, so the the that that track being called "Old Maid," she sees the old woman approaching her, and it's once again I'm probably reading into this, but this movie invites reading into it. It's like seeing it's like seeing your death come towards you, or or it's like seeing the future approaching you and not being able to escape it like yeah um seeing the process of aging seeing the nearness to death coming closer and closer and not ever being able to get away from it like i don't know that that part feels very 
interesting to me. Yeah. Um, and of course, I I don't know how thematically significant this is, but I, I love the like reading of the the love song of J. Alfred Prufrock over the the background, like the um that's what it's called, right? That poem uh, that the professor is reading. Just, I don't know. Really cool sequence. Uh, I, yeah. She's like, I, I am Lazarus come from the dead. Come back to tell you all. I shall tell you all. I don't know. It's very <laughs> cool. Very cool. Little pretentious, maybe. Um, but um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm more inclined and it's more fun for me to think, uh, because me getting into the potential, uh, sexual metaphors and the the sex politics that they might uh uh pretty bad. represent that's less fun for me to less fun for me to analyze than the fact that uh once you are aware that uh death is inevitable um and how being obsessed with it can stress you out and basically ruin your life i like i like that read a lot better than hey you have sex you're gonna fucking die <laughs> <laughs> hey see to be fair it's less like if you have sex you're gonna die and more like once you enter adulthood you become aware of the inevitability of your own death and the fact that your life cannot last forever because you are no longer a child who exists in a as a suspended existence of 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 lack of knowledge i don't know the <laughs> yeah that's what I was saying, but much more eloquent. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh... Uh, uh, this train of thought is brought to you by Sam Adams. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's... I don't know. It, on the one hand, it's not like it needs... There needs to be a metaphor, because obviously it's just a super scary concept on on the face of it. But the the movie, like we said, so much invites metaphor because of yeah. the care it takes with with framing the characters, with like showing their inner lives, like the carefulness of the cinematography, uh, the super on the nose, uh, like girl like reading passages from whatever that book is, um, <laughs> you know, uh, that I'm pretty sure the the last one is like specifically talking about the inevitability of death and like it says like the the worst thing is that it is certain like the worst thing is that you know that it will happen which is pretty gnarly man like i, I like that a lot um, <laughs> it, i don't know i think it's really cool and um yeah the part about it being like interlinked with sex like is a little weird and does feel a little bit like they just needed a way to get it passed around that wasn't just like it's a virus um yeah i i think it's just an unfortunate thing they needed they needed a compelling way for it yeah. to go from person to person that confined it to a it spreads to one person um right. and so like sex is an obvious like okay yeah that's a good way to do it but when your movie is handling uh, uh, heavy concepts like dealing with your own mortality, and then you combine that with this <laughs> film's commitment to aesthetics and theme, uh, having sex in the mix, that's a big, 
part a big and often for some reason controversial part of life so when it's thrown into that cocktail uh that flavor is gonna punch through a lot more than you maybe intended <laughs> that sexy sexy flavor um yeah it's it's like a strawberry <laughs> oh, God. yeah Honestly, I do think I do think though that it it, it works more or less because I, I think you can very much read it as as just like the the onset of adulthood, maybe just even puberty, um, and just becoming aware of a world outside of yourself, maybe becoming aware of the existence of other people, of bodies outside your own, of experiences outside your own, and um I don't know. And in, in a way, that's how we uh, first experience death. Like, <laughs> you know, most people uh, become aware of it before it happens to them. And um, through that, you know, that can be a, a form of adulthood, unfortunately, even if it comes a little too early. It is, um, I don't know, understanding that that's where we're all headed, unfortunately. <laughs> that's a, a new type of guy, guy who has no concept of mortality. <laughs> Dude, that sounds like a great guy. I want to be that guy. I mean, not every guy's gonna have sex, but every guy's gonna die. So, <laughs> oh. statistically oh. speaking, <laughs> let's pour one out, boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, <it's> a... <laughs> and, but see, the fun part is you technically can watch. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> every guy's gonna die, but not every guy's gonna have sex. But the fun part. <laughs> but, but the real takeaway here is, that, yeah, that it's going to say the fun part is you technically can watch the movie without having to wonder about any of this. You can't just watch it and be like, what if there was a a scary guy that followed you around and could look like anybody, and if it touches you, it kills you. More or less. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, despite uh, the the uh, Oedipal death of Greg, uh, mm. uh, I feel like he he got away pretty easy compared to the girl in the, the cold girl open. At the beginning. Yeah. Who has her legs snapped the way legs don't snap? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, I was always a little mystified by that because we never see anyone else killed or even, like, handled that violently. I think part of it is just a you need to set the stakes pretty high to get people, yeah. like, worried about it. Also, I don't know. Maybe it's an early foretelling of the grotesque sexuality of the creature. It's like, you know... Like, grabbing her leg and, like, bending it backwards. And, like, a really... <laughs> in a way yeah. that ladies don't like their leg bent backwards. <laughs> there are ways to do it, but, like, maybe not that way. It's... Try to turn her into a rectangle. Oh, my God. <laughs> Bitches love rectangles. <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah. Yo, I... girl, you want to be a rhombus? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm so, I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I don't know. I've always been a little yeah, a little confused by that too. Um, but but to be fair, like we talked about earlier, like 
the creature kind of switches things up sometimes and doesn't always do the same thing with every person. So it who even knows? You know, maybe it really is some kind of twisted fuck who's really getting its rocks off on this, like, and just decides to do different things with different people just to see what sticks. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, even even when it gets Greg, it's not entirely clear what happens to him. Certainly not as clear as what happened to the girl at the beginning. Um, it's just kind of like it like jumps on him and it's like riding him kind. And then, like, yeah, yeah. And then it just, yeah. I he's just kind of dead. It was very the grudge in that way, where it's like this thing is on top of you, and then you're just dead. Uh, to be dead. fair, if I was going through what he was going through <laughs> at that moment with the way that creature looked, I'd be like, okay, I can die now. Just, just, just I, take I, me. Just, just, just me take die. me out. Yeah, take me out. Yep, I know. <laughs> it's, it's. Yeah, I don't, it's not very clear, but maybe it's not supposed to be. Um, And it's also, um, I don't know, so I guess we might as well talk about the ending, like, leading up to that, and what what do you make of that, like, of what happened there? I don't know. (laughs) I think simply because we've seen it get shot before, and it didn't die that yeah that's that's the thing coming to get them and even the characters aren't sure after jay and oh my god what's his name uh jay paul. and paul uh have sex paul goes and it's inferred that he has sex with two prostitutes like right after um so they don't even they're not even sure that it worked so yeah i think i i think for me, um, it's left ambiguous, as a lot of things in this movie are, but my read on it is, yeah, it's, uh, it is following. <laughs> I'm, that sequence confuses me. Actually, it confuses me for a lot of reasons. First of all, I don't really know how the physics of, like, electricity and water work. Like, if you, if you throw something that's electric in a pool, will someone only get electrocuted if they're, like, right next to it? Or will anyone in the pool get electrocuted? Well, or, I, I don't know. No one I, ends up getting I, electrocuted in that scene, which is weird. Yeah. Um, I don't know the exact <laughs> I don't mechanics expect of it. You I, know, yeah. I think it's working because I, I don't think it's working um, maybe it's not the right kind of utensils you know the classic thing is it's a toaster yeah like seeing a toaster in there it was like a tv and an iron right they had all kinds of stuff but it's like um, yeah clearly they wanted to electrocute it but also it was throwing those things at jay and she didn't get electrocuted so i don't really know like i don't know yeah i think think it might be like a like a volume thing like a pool has yeah is too large for the the current to to basically do what it needs to do not a good plan uh but i host a movie podcast i'm not a scientist <laughs> well so. that makes two of us um that's not even the biggest thing that i was wondering about though um more so i guess i'm i'm confused about like um, when they throw the blanket over the thing to try to see where it is, because it's invisible to anyone who doesn't have the curse, um, yeah. at one point, Paul shoots it, like, point blank in the head, and it falls into the pool, and you see, like, blood come out. So it's like, 
interestingly, he had shot it a few times before that, and it just it yeah. immediately, or it actually didn't react at all. But it gets shot in the head. It does react. It falls into the pool, but then immediately starts chasing Jay again, grabs her leg. He shoots at it a few more times, finally shoots it in the head again. It lets go of her leg. So it's like, okay, clearly being shot in the head affects it more than being shot other places, yeah. but like... Because that's the third time it's shot in the head. It's also shot in the head at the uh, the beach scene. Neck. And it slows it down for all... Oh, did it get it in the neck? I thought Technically, it was the neck. So maybe the... Uh, from the neck up, it seems to bother it for a couple <laughs> seconds? It Right, and it's weird. And the biggest weird part to me, because of visual symbolism always being important in movies is the fact that Jay sees the giant cloud of blood when she looks into the pool. So it's like, so that can't mean nothing is the thing. That's what's so confusing about it is like, while it seems extremely improbable that just like enough headshots would be enough to just kill it. Yeah. What does the giant cloud of blood mean? We keep watching all these movies where there's a there's a whole unreasonable amount of blood, which there's our through line, I guess. Um, <laughs> just, At least this one kind of makes blood. sense because it's in the water, so it's going to like spread out. Right, a but that more. that was that was definitely it, not it, a regular it, it, amount of blood. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's an insane amount of blood, but it's also a weird shape shifting invisible demon creature. So. Uh, it just felt like it was supposed to be signifying something. I just don't know what. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a big, and then the way that last shot's framed is obviously um, supposed to be ambiguous. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know. I it just doesn't seem like that last gunshot did it. Right. That's the, um, there's no way. But then like. So what are you trying to say? Like, why not have it just continue to be alive and they just have to get in the car and escape from it again and, like, have it be yeah. clear? I mean, it's clear that it's supposed to be ambiguous. Um, but I don't know. <laughs> I'm cinema sensing over here, I guess. <laughs> um, uh, if, if the thing did die in the pool, I feel so bad for the school janitor who, is like, finds all this blood... Yeah. He's like, what the hell? And he like drains the pool, and there's nothing there. And what happened? <laughs> I right, I know, right? Like, well, but wait, no, wait, that wouldn't have happened because I'm realizing now. Which actually, this might be the first time I realized it. Um, I think Paul or maybe her sister asks Jay, "What do you see?" Um, oh, and she so crawls she to the edge of the pool. Blood. Right, and she sees the blood, and I think we're meant to infer that she's the only one who can see that, just okay. like she's the that, only one who could see the creature. Yeah, that make that makes a lot of sense. Um, it's it's wild. Yeah, again, the even... the rules are a little wonky, so no one can see it. They can't see its blood, but they can hit it and shoot it. Right, it's like they can do everything except see it. Yeah, like it's still physically present for them. They just are not able to view it. <laughs> yeah. Clearly, you know, the rules are a little, eh, sure. But, like, I guess that's not the point. <laughs> Which, I oh, mean, boy. to be fair, I think when you're watching a movie, like, and I've tried to make myself do this in recent years, is that it's always important to ask, 
is this the point or not? Like, or (laughs) is this something that the movie wants me to focus on? Which isn't to say that, you know, you should always completely dictate your viewing experience based on that. But, like, if a movie is showing you something, and I think maybe that's why the blood trips me up so much, because I'm like, okay, the movie clearly wants me to not be sure if the thing is dead. Like... But, okay, so what does the blood mean? Why? How did that get there? Like, why is it showing me this? I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> anyway, I'm, but I... I'm trying to see if I can pull up a screenshot of, uh, uh, of the blood in the pool and see if it makes yeah. a shape or anything at all. And no, it doesn't. I found it. It's, it's just a cloud. cloud. Yep. <laughs> just an inky yeah. blood cloud. Like a really angry octopus. So it, it looks yeah it looks more like smoke or ink than it does yeah. um regular blood yeah and I, uh i will say the creepiest form of the monster for me is the little boy dude uh, fuck that no the yeah. scariest fuck man <laughs> oh my god yeah which is interesting because you actually do you actually do see the little boy a few times and it's like who knows why the monster decided to take that form because it's not like it's not like it was the form of someone she loved and it's not like it was the form of something she was directly afraid of but yeah i don't know that was interesting to me especially like um the combination of appearing first as the the tall man and then as the little boy very interesting Uh of course the first I don't know that I like there, there's all I've read so many like theories about this stuff and everything but like the fact that the first form she sees it in after she sees the naked woman is like a woman who looks like she's been like assaulted in some way like in, a, in like a really yeah. horrible way and like has teeth knocked out like her clothes torn off and is like peeing herself and everything and that seems to be very representative of the of her traumatized psyche in some way that she's been through this like extremely weird though technically like began consensually like sexual encounter um and now has these kind of subconscious fears about being um a victim of some form of sexual assault or intimate partner violence um and then you know maybe the fact that the immediate next form that it takes is the form of this huge man is like you know a fear of men like manifesting as like a truly enormous man just like appearing out of the shadows and coming after her like that's a pretty legitimate fear um but then of course the little boy i don't know i got nothing for that one (laughs) well like in that scene it appears as um and I could be wrong. Is it appearing as the girl we see die in the opening of the movie? Yes. Yeah, I think that was her. Yeah. Um, Which and then yeah, they get they get into the little shack thing that they get into, and then she sees it go to the other side of the building. It walks across again as the tall man. Then it crawls through the hole as a little boy. So it did a lot of like right. shape shifting. Uh, Which right is there. interesting. It's like almost implying a certain like alien logic to it that it's like the fact that it's switching so quickly without even like changing locations it's just you know is it fucking with her does it like is it just like pulling random memories from her brain and just using those yeah 
not entirely clear. Man, uh, I will say, uh, this movie did it, and The Conjuring did it, and um, I think one of the paranormal activities to it, um, seeing someone's hair get pulled by an invisible creature, always a good, yes. always a you're good right, horror you're trick. You're right, you're right, The Conjuring did that. <laughs> Oh, great, great scare. I know. As someone with super long hair, I, I'm, i like, always worried. I'm worried Just... about it catching on stuff. I know. God, dude, you're going to freak me out. I'm going to keep checking my reflection in the webcam to make sure my hair isn't, like, getting grabbed or something. <laughs> um, so. Uh, yeah, no, that was, that was speaking good. Of, speaking of. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, it's okay. That, that was basically oh, okay. all I was going to say. It was just a scary moment. Just speaking of uh, uh, looking over your shoulder, uh, this movie is really effective. Like, it, there's not really any outright scares in this movie. Like, I never really jump. Maybe a little bit when that little kid, like, screams as he's popping through the door. But nothing else really, <laughs> like, uh, makes me jump or, like, terrifies me as I'm watching it. But, like, when you think about the concept, like after watching it it really like it 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 slowly sinks its claws into your psyche and i think that's very cool nothing will make you more freaked out of just seeing a random person walking nearby <laughs> like I, I know and it's it's not even in a logical way it's like obviously you know logically that person is just like walking down the street but you just see someone slowly walking towards you and you're never going to be able to see that again without something in the back of your mind going like dude I have a scary association with this thing. like <laughs> The way that you see um, this constant paranoia has ruined uh, Hugh's life. Yeah. And, like, they're, at, they're sitting at the park yes. and that woman walks by with her headphones on and he's like, did you see her? Like she, he is ruined oh, as a human being. <laughs> yeah. And when they find that place he was living in, he has all those like cans hanging up by the doors and windows. So he like, can be he can be notified with the sound if anything ever gets in um yeah. oh yeah Re really great really great stuff um and um <laughs> honestly i'm still kind of amazed that he went and like willingly sat down in a theater like <laughs> it, yeah. it just like for an extended period of time uh, seems like a luxury he wouldn't be able to afford at that point, but and the fact that he he probably just about got got killed there and was only saved because um <laughs> because Jake couldn't see the thing and because they were playing that game. <laughs> uh, so, so an interesting concept, and this isn't me like cinema sensing the movie. It's just something I've thought about. Mm. Uh, has this thing? killed in a very public space before yeah but it does kind of like, lead you to wonder that if if he got like if he didn't notice the girl in the dress and he just sat there and watched the movie and talked to jay and then was violently murdered in the middle of that theater yeah what would that mean for the <laughs> the work i yeah it, it's too much <laughs> to get into and then i i was thinking about like how i would do a sequel uh to this and uh uh this movie deals with you know becoming an adult i was like what if there was one where like uh a married couple like one of them cheats on their significant other and they catch the the creature and then they've had sex with their 
uh, marital partner and then has to tell them everything. So the movie Ooh. is them escaping together, Ooh. but also having to deal with the drama of one of them having cheated. I love it. <laughs> I was I like, give me, give me this movie, uh, like sequels to this movie, just about different stages in people's lives. That yes. Cool. <laughs> All right. Sold. If I was a producer, movie rights for you. Yeah. Hey, uh, I, David, my guy. Uh, <laughs> Hit your boy up. Hit me up. I, I, I've got some ideas and you've got some cred. It, yeah, it honestly is pretty ripe for sequels in a way that some horror movies that have gotten a lot of sequels were not. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's so many, yeah, there's so many interesting things to do with it. Um, especially when you add in, you know. <laughs> that that great relationship divider that is um uh i don't know not just having sex but like <laughs> passing something bad through having sex whether literally or figuratively um yeah no i i i like that idea a lot um i yeah. i think there's so much that you can explore with it because a concept like that is not going to get old frankly because there's so many different ways to react to it and deal with it um we saw the way these particular characters deal with it which makes sense for you know like whatever they are like early college-aged people um but yeah i think i think there's a lot of potential there just like and it moves slowly enough that it allows a lot of character to happen in between, which is another great, great thing about the concept. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. I, I could, so, yeah. So much about this movie. I can um, and have talked about this movie so much <laughs> that I could talk about it a lot more because I love it to death. But yeah. Uh, for the sake of the episode, do you have any final thoughts? Oh, gosh. I don't know. I just want to see more movies like this. Like, And when I say that, I, I fully acknowledge that I'm not even entirely sure what I'm specifically talking about. <laughs> I guess it's because there's so many different elements that I love that I would love to see more of, even if they're not all in the same movie. Uh, commit to your ideas. Commit to your aesthetics. Yeah. Um, and then you end up producing something unique by just being... The artist that you are. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, Gold star for you. Uh, 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 not to sound cynical, because I, I fucking... If you look at my shelf, I, I love Marvel shit. I love all the cape shit. Uh, uh, most movies are very, like, they, they feel like they were pumped out of some factory. And that's part of the reason why It Follows blew up the way it did. The same reason the uh, Babadook uh, blew up when Ooh, it came out. Ooh, another one I was supposed to talk about. It's it was... It is um, uh, an injection of artistic drive and uh, yeah. commitment to their ideas that we don't see a lot anymore, especially in genres that get as blockbustery as uh, horror or. Action. That's very true. Like, yeah, even horror, like you said, can can fall into very very generic patterns, mm-hmm. um, and this one feels very much. You know, we can debate on auteur theory all day, and obviously, uh, obviously a lot of people were involved in making the movie, but it does feel like it has a very singular, specific artistic vision behind it, um, regardless of how many people worked on it. They, they are all working in service of this vision, and it works really well, like, just, um, and it's so rewatchable for that reason. Like I said, like, I think 
that part of the reason I just love rewatching it is just because it feels like such a unique space. It feels like such a unique world. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, the sound design is great. The music, the the visuals, like all of it feels not real because it feels very surreal and like uh, ever so slightly off ever so slightly different from the real world in a good way though but it feels like very much like a very lived in space it feels yeah i don't know yeah like just like a lot of care went into it and i think that's really great like i i just would love to see more movies like that in general that are just about creating a a vision um you know something that isn't just there to sell toys or establish a sequel as much as we might like to see sequels to this (laughs) yeah i don't know just just really good and um Oddly, oddly comforting <laughs> in a truly nightmarish way, <laughs> as we as we've discovered can be the case tonight. I mean, we're we're, we're talking about comfy pants movies that are really <laughs> have some really awful stuff in them. <laughs> Which, but you know what? That's valid. You know, yeah. Just watch these movies. Um, let us know what you think. Mm-hmm. I, I guess. If there's one thing um, left to say about this movie uh, that I want to leave the audience with is that uh, it follows. Wow. Does it? Because really... you see the whole thing about the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I wasn't completely sure, but you know what? You're right. You've convinced me. It really it really do be following. Um... <laughs> yes. No, I'm... I'm... I'm, I'm glad that we could realize this. I'm glad we could come to this conclusion. Um, this is a and, um, groundbreaking criticism here. I <laughs> know, <laughs> really. Um, shout out to Caleb. Um, he, he's not here, but his ghost lingers forever over morbid May. His absence is keenly felt by all of us. And we can truly Meh. hear him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, buddy. I love you. <laughs> We could truly hear him saying, that's too scary for me. I don't want to watch that. Goodbye. <laughs> it's fine. I've got, I've got a few, I've got a few movies that I'm going to make him watch over the next few months that, that are just on the line where it's going to be like, I know you're nervous about watching this, but you're going to do it for cinema. For the sake of science. Yeah. I feel like we need to get a spectrum of movies, <laughs> starting from like a Pixar movie and going all the way. The to scale, fucking, the scale we were talking. I don't about. even know. I don't even know what a ten would be, but we need to go and we need to be like, okay, um, <laughs> on a scale of one to ten, how watchable was that for you? All right. Uh, now, at what point did you start to feel uncomfortable? Mm. Okay, and uh, uh, how long? Uh, were you able to sit through the film? We, we need to form, like, a database, right? That it's, yeah. like, specifically graphing the points at which, like, he was not able to continue watching the movie and seeing if we can build an algorithm to predict <laughs> whether or not he can watch other movies. Uh, software programmers, hit us up. Oh, yeah, hit us up. It's for, <laughs> it's for science and for the sake of Caleb's cinematic enrichment. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. It's for Caleb. Um, 
Okay, so so social media. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Steph has no name and on Letterboxd at Ray's Left Boob. <laughs> you can find me on most social media everywhere at Blame It On Butler, and you can find this show on Twitter at Sounds Familiar. All right, that concludes Morbid May, guys. Hopefully, we'll be able to come back with uh, a sequel <laughs> at some point. Uh, do another month of horror movies because we have so many more that we want to talk about. Maybe around Halloween, we'll get to that. And maybe we'll be able to uh, coerce Caleb into it. So. Yeah, well, hopefully the results from the study will have came back. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, we're scientific method people, so we will oh, yeah. retest. Oh, yeah, we're scientists. Uh, just to verify the results, um, um, you can look for our, our findings in the next uh, journal uh, that comes out uh, a science journal i was trying to make that riff work and then i remembered i don't know the name of any fucking journal, <laughs> and you can so find yeah. it science journal monthly <laughs> there, there you know that's probably what it's it is it's probably a thing <laughs> oh my god we don't have time to think of anything snappy we're scientists <laughs> they have more important anyway. things to do come on okay <laughs> all right everybody we love you we'll see you next week uh, you know what? It's the end of Morbid May, so I'm going to use the tagline from the other show. Stay spooky. Oh, love it. Please do. Please stay spooky. We love that for you. Thank you so much for listening to our show. Be sure to check the episode description for any links we may have included related to this week's episode. You can find us online on Twitter and Instagram at Sounds Familiar. If you'd like to get in contact with us, drop us a line at soundsfamiliar at gmail.com. We'd like to thank our friend Chelsea for our logo. Check her out on Instagram at ChelseaVHDesigns. We'd also like to thank Shane Quick for our theme music. If you feel so inclined, please leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to tune in every Thursday for new episodes. We'll see you next time on Sounds Familiar. <laughs>